Ridgeway Community Church. Praise the Lord. I am so glad you're here today. It is our State of the Church Address. And it's not just today, but it's next week. We're going to do it in two parts. And today I have our clergy with us. Remember these clergy sessions that we did in the summer and in the fall where we're doing it again today where you get to see uh, the, the ministers, the pastors that are a part of our church. Most of them are here. A couple of them couldn't be here. But the good news is we're going to have a conversation about the state of the church, not Bridgeway, but the big C church, the universal church, Christianity. What is the state of faith and religion in our country? So that's going to be today. And we're going to give you some direction and some thoughts from the scriptures to try to help you put all of it into some kind of context. We're not quite sure exactly where we're going to go. But I promise you this, we're going somewhere and we want you to be with us on the journey. I'm going to open in a word of prayer and then we're going to get started with a few questions to our clergy. Now, next week, uh, we're going to talk about the state of our church, specifically Bridgeway, the small C. And uh, I'll give you a talk about what opportunities I think are in front of us, as well as ask the clergy for some of their responses and their thoughts about the church in which they're ordained and licensed to serve. Uh, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, the fact that you are the Lord of the church. This is your church. It's not ours. And we're so grateful, God, that you are in control. And so we're just uh, on the ride with you, trying to be faithful. And I pray for every listener, every viewer, every worshiper, every attender, every guest. Would the power of God and the presence of God fill the room that they're sitting in even now? For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Together everyone said amen and amen. Let's welcome our clergy, by the way. Look at them. Aren't they a good-looking crowd? You'll see their names, and many of you know them. Others of you might not, and I'll refer to them as we uh, have a conversation. But uh, let me just sit down, and let's start uh, with this one question that I'm going to ask the clergy of Bridgeway Community Church, and that is this. It's about them. I mean, don't you want to know the people who God has appointed to be over you with spiritual authority, care, uh, concern. These are the people that are praying for you. These are the people who are on the front lines of ministry. These are the ones that the enemy likes to go after. These are the shepherds of the sheep. And so I get to do life and I get to journey uh, with these good people. In fact, I'm just going to start over here and walk through really quickly in case you don't know. This guy right here is Gary Coiro. He's one of our uh, pastors. He's married to the beautiful young lady next to him. She is Minister Tracy Tiernan Coiro, and together uh, they minister to the Lord. And they'll tell you what they do, but I want you to know them. I love them. I trust them. Uh, above uh, and behind them, you'll see Pastor Steve Hardnett, uh, sporting his new goatee. Doesn't he look good? <laughs> anyway, Pastor Steve is is with us. He's also a, a doctor, a counselor, and uh, we thank God that he's a part of the team. Pastor Jared's been around a long time. I often say he still looks 12, but believe it or not, he's been here over 20 years. He oversees our entire creative arts ministry. He oversaw our logistics, our youth ministry. He's done almost everything in the church except clean the toilets. And guess what? He probably has done that too, haven't you, Jared? 
<laughs> Pastor Dave Mitzner, he seems like he's sitting on the Supreme Court justice here. <laughs> I tell you what, we love this dude. We are so glad you're uh, back in the house with us. We know that you have been struggling uh, through the loss of loved ones. We love them too, but you loved them more, your father, your son, and probably others as well. You should know that your church has been praying for you. In fact, I know you know that, and it's just good to lay eyes on you. That's Pastor Dave Mitzner. And then we have Pastor Jen, William Jen. He's the pastor of CARE, uh, and he has not only been with us as a minister and as a pastor, but he's been a, a servant in the church for over five years with translation ministry and other things that he's been doing quietly behind the scenes. And we're so glad you're here, Pastor William Jen. Next to him, the pastor at large, large and in charge, that's Scott Garber, who's been with us many, many years in the trenches. He's also a translator, was a missionary, him and his wife, uh, Cynthia, and speaks Spanish fluently. Thanks for being here. And then you have David Heiliger, our newest pastor. We're so glad to see David as the first one to ever hold the position as the pastor of Multicultural Bridge Building. Glad you're with us, uh, Pastor David. And uh, the pastor that makes us all feel better about ourselves because she teaches us, she reaches us, and she serves you so very well. Our first female pastor at Bridgeway Community Church, celebrating one year now. It was the last state of the church address, right, that we ordained Pastor Sandy Pope. We're so glad, uh, Pastor Sandy. So how's your first year been, by the way? We'll just throw the question to her, right? How's your first year as a pastor? It's been interesting. It's been a very interesting year. It's been... Uh, it's been very rewarding in so many ways. It's been very, very challenging in a lot of other ways, but I've seen God through it all. And he has certainly grown me and shown me that I really need to lean on him for this. This is a greater calling. It's a much greater responsibility. And so I am much more accountable to God and to mm. serving his people. Well, thanks for saying yes to the Lord. <laughs> By the way, I'm going to ask everybody this question, but since we're on, you might as well start there. And that is your personal state. How is your, how's the personal state of your heart these days as you reflect on uh, 2020 and really your first year of being a pastor, the COVID pastor? That's when you got ordained, so to speak. What is the personal state of your heart and mind? Um, the personal state of my heart and mind, um, most days it's good. A lot of days it's concerned about the state of our church. I know that our political climate is very divided, but what concerns me is that our church is also very divided. Yeah. And um, a house divided against itself certainly cannot stand. Yeah. And so the concern that I have mostly is the mission that Jesus gave to the church, the edict to go throughout the world uh, and to make disciples. And if the church is divided, certainly we can't do this in a productive and successful way. Perhaps some people will come to know the Lord, but our, the state of our division is one that is being propelled around the world. The world sees everything that is happening. And one of the things that Jesus said in, in John chapter 13 is that the world would know us by the love that we have for one another, that we would know that we are his disciples. And so there must be a very confused look on the face of the world when we see this Christian against that person or another believer in Jesus Christ because of a political affiliation, because of a man or a woman that sits in an office. And so who is our allegiance to? Is our allegiance truly to Christ or has idolatry set into the church where our allegiance is to a mere human. So you feel the you feel the weight of the sheep 
who are divided and you feel the weight of those that are a part of the body of Christ, hoping that they would not be led astray. Yeah. Uh, what about the rest of you? Does anybody feel that same kind of weight personally that you'd like to share about? Well, Pastor, I'll take take a shot at it. Um, you know, I, I, there's a sense of grieving over so much of what happened in 2020, and yet it provided opportunities and moments to really step in, to step into the mess and try to be an influence and try to be an encouragement. Um, I have found that uh, gatherings of life groups virtually or opportunities to connect with people even virtually has been an opportunity to thrive and provide community for people even in the midst of social distancing. And so even in the midst of a grieving season of racial tension in our country, of political division in our country, the pandemic, even in that uh, discouraging, anxiety-producing season, there have been great, great opportunities. So for me, uh, it may sound funny, but grieving and yet thriving at the same time. Grieving and thriving at the same time, yeah. Anybody else have that tension or feel that where you, there's an excitement of the thriving and yet there's also this mourning? It's like a mourning and rejoicing at the same time, isn't it? Yeah. What about the rest of you? How you how you feel? Anybody want to jump in before I move to another question? Pastor Jen? Yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, last year, uh, talking about uh, grieving, uh, our church uh, lost about 30, f- close to about 40 people uh, from COVID or various disease or, or whatever. And, you know, one after the other, as a director of a care, uh, I'm just exhausted. Uh, and, and with the uh, social um, attention and, and all this, uh, difficulty that is is happening uh, it, it's really tiring but at the same time what I realize is that uh, I'm looking at myself and say you know the Christianity that that I used to know you know about theology and uh, uh, systematic stuff or whatever uh, it's just not going to do because people are asking and I'm asking I need to know God in real way personal way and uh, I think that people are asking the same question, just like I'm asking. Like, God, um, we can't play church uh, like we used to. Yeah. Not that we, we play any, anything like that. But, yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm grieving, uh, but at the same time, uh, this is a great opportunity to know, know God in, in real way. So, so it sounds like you're grieving and pressing, pressing in. Amen. To know God and to lean on God more, uh, not inauthentically playing, but really seriously trying to press in your relationship with God. Yes. Yeah. Anybody else want to share how they're doing personally before I move to my final question or next question? Doc, I'll share. I've heard the word grieving a few times and I thought, well, I, I asked God, you know, when is it my cue to say something? Because I'd be fine just being with you guys. It's been a while. And as uh, Dr. Anderson already mentioned, this has been a year. I kind of called the last six months of 2020 my losing season because I lost people in my life that, um, that were very important to me. I lost mentors. My father was one of my best friends in the world. And I lost my coach from, from college who was also my professor. And we had done a lot of ministry together post-graduation. He died of COVID. 
Um, just a, a, a couple days ago, I lost my brother-in-law, who, who is my father's age, and he was a mentor to me, and I interned with him, and, and we just had a rich relationship. And of course, um, the sudden death of my, um, my son. And so um, you ask me how I'm doing? Hey, I'm still here, man. I think that's pretty good um, to still be alive and to enjoy each day as a gift from God. And so, so I've been crushed. I've really been crushed. And as crushed as I've been, um, God has met me with that level and, and even a couple levels above that of being comforted. I, I've spoken at so many funerals. And I would read the verses in 2 Corinthians about the God of all comfort, you know. And um, I, I would have this thing. I believed all that, y'all. I did. I mean, I really believe it now. You know, and I'd say he's the God of all comfort. You know, he's not the God of some comfort. You know, he's not the God of southern comfort, which only helps you for a little bit, you know. And I, I, he's the God of all comfort, you know. He's the God of all comfort. And, and, and it says there that you, he helps us go through stuff so that we can help other people go through stuff. And so... Did you feel comfort from the body of Christ at Bridgeway? I did, I did. Um, and I haven't seen you in a minute. <clears throat> and um, I found out that little things really matter. And the ministry of presence really matters, whether it's you know a text or a phone call, or it's mm. when my church showed up. Mm. You didn't know I was gonna do this. I promise you I'm not a hoarder, okay? Those are all the love notes you wrote to yourself over the years. <laughs> these are these are just some of the cards that y'all sent me. Oh wow! And these right here are over three hundred bags that my church. Um, you guys surprised us and had a prayer vigil on our front lawn, and this stuff matters. And so, I'm not trying to be dramatic or cute, but. Uh, You've been a church of love, and, and it matters. And it's taught me to be a better minister. It's taught me how to minister. And so I, I'm, I, I've been crushed, but I've been comforted, and I also am very curious. I'm very curious about what this next phase of our lives are going to be. Not only me personally, not having the responsibility to love and care for a severely autistic, moderately retarded man who is my son, but the... Um, opportunities we have in front of us, um, what are we going to do with it? You know, I ask myself, you know, what am I doing here? And so I'm asking ourselves that too. Yeah. Anyway, I don't well, have a good dismount. Well, you reflect the state of our church, you know, the state of our clergy, the state of our congregation. Uh, you've put in some 30 years or so. I don't even know how long uh, you've been here now, but you've put in so many years of walking with people. I'm just so happy that people are walking with you. And uh, even last week when I was down in Florida, man, your name was all over the place with the, the Johnsons and the, the Carries, and you just ought to know your impact and your influence is, is great. And so Bridgeway, if you're wondering, <laughs> you know, what the, state of our, what the state of our church and the state of our clergy is, you got it, right? So we're human beings that are all dealing with different uh, areas where maybe we're crushed, but comforted. Maybe we're hard pressed, but somehow we still prevail. And somehow we're still able to think about you, to pray for you, 
to write messages and sermons and songs and dramas and to do all the things that we have to do uh, in order to serve you. So I'm really proud of you, uh, clergy. And Mitch, we continue to love you and pray for you. We know that God is going to do amazing things through you. Uh, a couple of you, would, would you share what you think other people are feeling uh, outside of these walls? What have you been uh, finding out as you have been ministers to the body of Christ? Anybody want to share, Pastor uh, Steve? Pastor, since I'm dealing with the uh, clinical aspect of things, I run into even key leaders and uh, volunteers who are struggling with uh, separation issues, detachment, uh, loneliness, and uh, detachment from church from or church from one another. And from one another, uh -huh. well, that community of being together yes. is not being experienced. That body life thing is miss missing, and uh, sometimes builds up anxiety and stress and loneliness. So. Uh, I've been kind of encouraging them, people to get involved a Zoom. And uh, I think one good thing we can do as a church, pick up the phone and call. A phone call makes a difference. Uh, just recognizing or remembering that's that's this good. person. Yeah, that's yeah. not a small thing because we're so used to texting uh, and emailing. Yeah. Uh, but a good old-fashioned phone call where you can hear someone's voice and talk to them is actually something that, does anybody know how to make a phone call? Do you remember what <laughs> yes. that's? Do phones still do that? Do yeah. they do that? Okay, I thought, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do they well, call? I was thinking as Pastor Mitch, you were talking and even hearing your reflections, Pastor Steve, uh, I think a lot of us are trying to ask that question of what matters. You know, as people reached out to you and demonstrated small acts that had a huge impact, that it mattered to you, I think I've talked with a lot of people that are trying to say, what of all the things that I was doing before that I can't do any longer? Um, what things can I do now? What of all this really matters? And people are left kind of really questioning this. I'm left questioning this when you can have uh, so many relationships at one point and then everything gets cut off and you're, you go down to your core. You know, who are the people immediately around me? You know, some of those things that used to feed me I don't have access to some of the ways that I used to minister. I can't do that anymore. So I'm asking, what can I do that really matters? And the people that I've talked to, when they find that, they're energized. Those little things they can do that they believe really, really matters. But in light of all that, everybody's really tired, exhausted, and hurt. Tired, exhausted, and hurt. Yeah. Anybody else want to jump in on this one before I move to another question? Yeah, there's a, a young man I talk to regularly and this time has afforded him a different kind of life and he's leaned into it as an opportunity and that encouraged me too. There's challenges that we're facing and there's a, a different kind of life that's going on right now. So what are there opportunities that maybe we didn't have before? Um, so trying to focus on you know the, these hopeful chances to move forward. Where can I grow more? Where, where can I learn more? How can I deepen relationships that maybe I wouldn't have deepened before? Uh, who can I call? Who can I connect with via Zoom? So I think there's, with any challenge, there's also a different opportunity, um, but it might take some energy or effort to get there to that yeah, opportunity. Yeah, Well, we're dealing with real human beings, of course. I know we say sheep and shepherds, but we're really dealing with real human beings, right? And what have you noticed in the Big C Church, the universal church, not just Bridgeway, but uh, Christianity, 
What have you observed with uh, those who are proclaiming the name uh, Christian, follower of Christ, evangelical, whatever the term is, people who profess to know Jesus as Lord and Savior in the Big C Church? What are you witnessing? And maybe what are you surprised by, whether negative or positive? If, you know, I think Sandy mentioned earlier, you know, I've looked at the church, you know, and, and it's hard for people to know what what is love and what's not love. But what have you noticed as as folk who are following Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Pastor Gary. Pastor, what comes to mind for me is uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, where we're challenged by the Apostle Paul not to be conformed to the value system of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Yes. We need to have biblical minds. And I think of the church of Berea in the book of Acts, that they didn't just take the apostles at their word, they went and sought out and searched the scriptures. And we need, we need what I'm seeing in the big C church in our country is that people are embracing and conforming to a value system that is of this world. They're getting some of their values from this world, whether it's a political value system, and they're prioritizing things over what the, what the model and mind of, the, of Jesus and the Bible would be. It's very, very concerning to me. Yeah. Uh, one example that I, that I might offer is that as I see the birth of the church in Acts chapter two, the end of the church in Revelation seven, the commission of the church in Matthew 28, it's about all nations, right? And yet there's this mentality, even amongst Christians, that uh, America first. And I don't get it. Because that's not a biblical mindset. It's not a biblical view. You don't see in the New Testament where we're supposed to look after my four and no more. We're supposed to have a redemptive purpose in this world. So it's really a cultural thing first. Exactly. Embracing a culture as opposed to being citizens of heaven. I think Sandy said it very well earlier. Uh, this, this idea, we need to understand that our first priority, our first identification is as Christ followers and citizens of heaven. And I feel I'm concerned that there are segments of the big C church in America that is not embracing that sort of a mentality. Mm. And so who knows where it's gonna go? It's mm. gonna, wherever the culture or the latest leader is gonna bring it, as mm. opposed to looking at, okay, what, what would Jesus' mindset be about the immigrant, the refugee, uh, global concern for all who bear the image of God, uh, crossing cultures, crossing colors, crossing yeah. classes, even crossing creeds. I saw a new, uh, before I came in today, new video, maybe y'all saw it, but I've kind of been away from it, new video of people who are breaking into the Capitol uh, recently. And the video showed people in the main area where, the, where Congress meets, and they all prayed out loud with a bullhorn. Did you see that? We're invoking the name of Jesus right here. And we're praying for, and literally had broken into the Capitol, and now they're all around, and they're praying over a bullhorn, some even using profanity, uh, that God would do what he's doing, and that they feel, feel blessed and anointed by God. Does, does that mixture between faith, religion, and politics and extremism concern any of you? <laughs> I know it concerns you, Gary. <laughs> and Scott, I'd like to hear from, from you living in the nation's capital, having pastored churches and having been a missionary around the world as Pastor Gary talks about America first and seeing the work that you've done and, and really the works that you have written, which we're so grateful 
uh, for you writing about this. What's your mindset? What are you observing? Yeah, it, it is really um, troubling um, on a lot of levels. One, uh, I mean, in my view, the church writ large has acted abysmally <laughs> during this period of time, this last year, uh, and even before that. I think in their responsibility to be protectors and purveyors of the truth. There's been not only, it, it's not about a, a disagreement about this or that thing that is true or false. It's about the epistemological erosion. And by that, I mean the challenge to the very notion of truth and the challenge to all of the, the authorities upon which we lean to understand what is true. And that spirit of skepticism that Christians have bought into, let's not think that that will not affect us and our own authority at some level as well. I think some Christians will be forced to embrace even more blindly whatever they believe already, but others will be eventually affected by that. And we, I think we hold some responsibility for that. Um, you know, sometimes you're right and sometimes you're wrong and sometimes you're right and you wish you weren't. Um, and you mentioned, I, I, put out a book last year called White as Sin and, and identified racial haughtiness as a moral flaw that was embedded in white mentality. And I've been frustrated a lot during this year because I, well, frankly, haven't had as much opportunity to speak about it as I thought I would because nobody's out there speaking about anything in public. Um, but when, the, when these attitudes run under the radar then it can be so frustrating because people don't see them. And one, strangely enough, I've been a little bit energized over the last couple of weeks just because um, now it's out there where it's much harder to deny that there is really a problem and that, that there is a problem of a moral nature that we need to face up to in this country if we're ever, ever going to get beyond uh, the divisions that we're, that we're living with and living through. So, yeah, uh, you know, I don't know that we experience this any more vividly by virtue of the fact that we live a mile and a quarter from the Capitol building. Uh, but um, it is something that I'm sure is on the minds and hearts of all of us who are sitting here today. Yeah. Any, anybody else observing anything about Christianity, the, the faith that we all hold that is either disturbing or encouraging? Uh, Tracy? Um, I, too, am very disturbed and concerned about the mixing of uh, our, our faith in Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and some sort of a, a, a political agenda and somehow like putting them together like one automatically means this. The assumptions, I've noticed people making assumptions um, about one another based on their color their age demographic, um, just assume that, oh, you're, you know, you're a sister, you believe, da, 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 da. Um, and challenging you, if you say something, people are highly triggered by certain words. And you could say one thing about, um, I'm grieving that people are mixing Jesus with this political agenda. You could, you know, Jesus, it's not about Jesus. That's not about Jesus. Don't be confused about that. The, the gospel is very clear about leading with love. Um, you could say that, which doesn't seem like something that would be controversial. 
And yet, have you found it to be? <laughs> oh my word! I feel like I'm walking on minefield all the time. Yeah. I just, I just feel like the it, and, and I just can't imagine if it breaks our hearts as Jesus followers who are trying our best to follow Him. And I know we're not doing it perfectly, but God, we're trying. Um, if it breaks our hearts, how much more does it grieve the heart of God to see His body, to see His body so divided? Um, well, it, I'm also reminded of uh, a message that I heard from this uh, godly woman <laughs> called uh, "Walking on Eggshells." Um, the 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 courage that's necessary to walk uh, on these minefields and these eggshells. Of course, I'm I'm laughing because it was you uh, that preached that message, and yet. Um, this idea of being discerning, but courageous, trying to be winsome. And at the same time, uh, I don't even like using the term warrior for Christ. I, I think that takes on something I don't, I don't really want to feel, uh, but it, you feel like you're in a fight, you know, and we are called, I remember, uh, Pastor Gary preached on, you know, we're, we're in a fight, you know, so spiritually, I think that we're in a, we're in a battle. Like, it's not just political or cultural, uh, and it's not even just eggshells, because they don't blow you up. <laughs> but it is a minefield. Mm -hmm. You're right. And people are ready to just, uh, some people feel so very evangelistic mm. about their politics, but yet they can't open their mouth to talk about Jesus and the fruit of the Spirit that Jesus actually gives birth to in our lives. They can share their political view and not share Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sandy. You know, I think um, just in listening to what everyone has shared, which has provided so much rich insight to this conversation is, you know, 2020 exposed a lot of gaps in the big C church. And I think one of those things is definitely um, the root of our compassion, but also, you know, we focus on the, the person so much. We have to realize that this is a spiritual battle that we are in. It's a spiritual battle for the souls of people. Yeah. And um, I, I think that that is one of the things that we, we really have to understand the type of battle we in and understand the weapons of war that we need to fight this battle. Yeah. In addition, I think some of the gaps that have been exposed is just our growth and growing our people um, as a body of believers um, and, and just talking to so many people and, and counseling so many people. Um, the, the basic fundamentals of the scriptures and what they say is something I think we have during this time to really um, just to teach people what the scriptures say so that they can know for themselves. You know, we're not in our buildings, uh, but like a few weeks ago, there was a, a cyber issue where a lot of federal government's uh, infrastructure was, uh, was compromised. If we didn't have our infrastructure to promote services over the internet, what would people really have in terms of understanding how to grow in their faith? So I think we have... Uh, this is a this is a grounding experience to really in 
reinforce the importance of knowing the scriptures for yourself and being motivated to study them for yourself and not just for knowing information, uh, but so that you can become more conformed to the image of Christ. Yeah, so there's this uh, term fidgetal, uh, mm-hmm. the fidgetal church. You know, mm-hmm. that, it's taking two words. You know how I like doing that anyway, but I didn't come up with this. Uh, physical and digital. That in the past, they would say that a church is going to organize at least 70% of what they do in the church building, maybe 30% outside. But post-COVID, it might be reversed, where 70% of what a church does is outside the building, and then the other 30% is are the important reasons why you might gather. Well, whether those percentages are right or not, it has forced many churches to think about what it means to be fidgetal, physical and digital. I feel like as a church, we were very physical, right? We had people in the building all the time and had a lot of events. And then we also had the Internet with a couple thousand people that could watch our services. Now it's flipped. We're 100 percent digital broadcast we're in your homes we're all over the place thousands of people are watching but also the day is going to come when the doors are going to open and so as our clergy gives me advice and prays with me along with the elders and the elders council of women about what our future looks like in the building in uh, owens mills reistertown reistertown or in columbia um what do you think clergy about this idea of digital or physical and digital? Do we just go back to the way it was pre-COVID? Do we forsake everything pre-COVID and go fully digital? How, how does, what does this mix look like for you? And uh, David Heidegger, I'm going to start with you because I know you think about these kinds of issues and so many others. I just think you're a great thinker and you ask good questions. But as we think about the future of uh, this generation and the one to come, Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts about this? Well, I was, I'm struck by what we don't have right now that we can't be in each other's presence. I'm like 99% social. Like right. in my being, I just love being around people. So uh, all the the distancing and isolation and, and being in separate spaces and we're interacting over screens, I feel like I'm missing out a lot. And I feel like one thing that I'm really missing out on is all the magic that happens in the margins of life. Hmm. Like I think about all the ministry that we've done in youth ministry and with my volunteers and with the people that we have here in the church, the conversations that happen out in the lobby, the car rides where you're dropping somebody off, all that stuff that happens when we're not doing the thing we came here for. All the demonstration of what it means to follow Jesus when you're having a meal together, all the demonstration of what it means to follow Jesus when you're joking around, just hanging out. So what do we do with that? We lost that. That's something that is hard to recreate in the digital. Yeah. But what a, what a very interesting question to ask. How do we then uh, be intentional about demonstrating our faith, all the things that happen in the margins of life? How do we demonstrate that mm. on the digital side? I don't want yeah. that to get lost as yeah. we move digital. Yeah, it wasn't like Jesus had services and he says, be here at 11 a.m. Jesus was with people in uh, maybe like you said on the margin while they're walking. He's like, oh, see those lilies. Of the like he, you're right. There's a lot that happens sort of in between the programming of of services that has been lost. It's a really good way to think about it, because that may have been feeding us in ways that we didn't realize 
you know, yeah, a Bible class can feed us. A discipleship class can feed us. A prayer meeting can feed us. Gathering together in worship can feed us. But those are times, be here at this time, right? Clicking on Zoom at this time, right? But isn't it interesting to think about on the way to church, on the way from church, in the hallway, or, uh, you know, Jesus walking along the way and how much you can pick up and gain. It's really an interesting way to think about it. Anybody else want to chime in on this whole fidgetal idea, Pastor Jarrett? Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about Acts 2, and similar to what you were saying, the early church didn't have church buildings where you'd go and you had church services. They'd meet in the temple courts. They'd meet in people's houses, which we're not doing right now. But there's a few things that they always stuck to. And I think that's the important thing, that regardless of what it looks like on the other side, how digital we get, how much we change our interaction, that we do what Acts 242 uh, says. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled in awe. They worshiped God, right? Uh, At the many signs and wonders, which you talked about, they weren't worshiping the signs and wonders. They were worshiping God. All believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to everyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple court. So that meeting changes, right? But we can meet virtually. that sharing with one another might look a little different. People might have different needs because of the circumstances, but yeah. the essence of it doesn't change. Yeah. Maybe out of this could come a, a daily Zoom mm-hmm. gathering. I think we have them. Uh, you know, don't we have something, uh, Gary, on Wednesday nights and, and, and Sandy, right? What else do we have? I just want to click off really quickly. What do we have that people can jump in on with Zoom or Facebook right now? We yep. have our services. Life. We have well over a dozen life groups that are meeting on a weekly basis. They're doing that digitally. We have Wednesday Night Alive. I think there's seven options this semester that are meeting. Men's and Women's Ministry meets on a monthly basis. So there's They're on Saturdays, right? Correct. Uh And then there's a Friday morning Bible study I know you do for men. My sister does a life group for educators. Uh, And what other kind of life groups are there? Uh, we have we have married life groups, we have social life groups, Bible study life groups, yeah. uh, all throughout the week. Gotcha. Yeah. And then there's elders prayer, and then also Pastor Jen, aren't you holding conversations about the the sermons as well? So as Great soon as the sermon is done, you talk about it. Yes. Yes. We uh, this is more of uh, life groups in five weeks in a way, so that we could show them this is what life group is about. And it's, it's entry point to the, the longer groups. But uh, we felt that time of such as now, people need to get together and talk about that, the, the, what they're learning about God and about each other and how they can serve one another. So we call it great conversations. And uh, uh, basically, people come in and to check in and said, I'm here. You know, <laughs> I didn't move anywhere. And, and then we... Uh, take maybe two or three questions from our sermon, the sermon that our pastor is preaching, and, and um, we talk about how our life is doing and application of, of the wow. sermon. And that gets people going, and if they want yes. further than that, they can get into a life group. And Sandy's been overseeing, along with, I think, uh, Pastor Gary and you, our curriculum for Wednesday Night Alive. Mm-hmm. So people can choose different things if they mm-hmm. want to grow. Right, Sandy? Absolutely. There, um, and, and what we are excited about, um, I'm excited about what we're offering now. 
But um, as we progress Wednesday Night Alive, we want to take God's people deeper yeah. um, on, on their relationship with God um, and knowing more and more about him and more, knowing more about their purpose uh, that God has for their lives. Are you so, giving them homework so they have so they uh, can go deeper? Can we give them homework? Y'all want um, homework? Uh, Where's the camera? Where's the camera? Which camera I'm looking at? This one right here. Uh, y'all want some homework? Uh, Sandy's talking about going deeper. Oh, absolutely. So, so we want to not only have a class, uh-huh. we want to have prayer but we want you to go do some homework can, can we give them homework now absolutely give homework good 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 absolutely why should why should academia be separate from our church experience that's right you know why should someone have to go outside through a seminary experience i know that many of us are going through or have gone through seminary but um we should be able to offer that type of education here yes. at bridgeway community church to help our people to grow and Which so pastor dan was here right now he'd, he'd be recommending a few books wouldn't he? absolutely we miss you pastor dan absolutely. and eli and uh, <laughs> minister ronald green we love all y'all everybody can't be here at the same time but okay so this is what i want to do i i, I want to bring us to a close but i need you to give a scripture or a practical application for folk who are sitting here on this sunday morning and saying this is not quite a sermon no it's the state of the church address we do it every year get used to it. You're going to be okay. We want you to get God's word, but we want you to practice it. And we also want you to hear from your clergy, the state of the big C church. Next week, I'm going to give a message on what I think our opportunities are and what's going on in our church right here at Bridgeway. I'll ask the clergy not only to respond, but to talk about what's going on in their particular ministry. So you can dive in and get closer to the Lord as well as uh, as well as to us, but some practical applications. Is there a word that God has put on your heart or something you can tell our people to do between this week and next week and the weeks to come? I know going to uh, uh, registering for for Wednesday Night Alive. How, how do we do that, by the way? Um, you can go to bridgeway.cc forward slash events um, and you can register there for the, the classes. We're going to have some other Good. modules within the year. Um, If I was to share a scripture uh, with Bridgeway, it would be this would be from uh, second Peter 318, which which says uh, to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, That is succinct, uh, but it's also very direct because we certainly want to grow in grace um, and understanding what his grace means, but also growing in the knowledge of him so that we be, can become more like him and yeah. share the grace of God with others as yeah. well. That's good. Anybody I've got a else? verse, Pastor. What's your verse? So leading up to the verse, uh, let me just say the great thing about the digital world is we had a, we had a men's gathering uh, last Saturday. We had a man in the room from Kuwait, we had a man in the room from Ghana. We had a man in the room from Florida. Wow. So the beauty of broadening the ministry through the digital platform. Yeah. But I guess my word is related to don't become content yeah. with just digital connections. Hang on, say it again. Don't become content with just digital connections. Okay, now I want, uh, I want that on the screen. I want the words <laughs> under it. All right, so when Pastor Gary says that, we got to put those words right there. And I want y'all at home to snap a picture of the screen right now. All right. Now, Gary, I'm going to ask you to say it one more time. We're going to put it in writing and then y'all are going to snap a picture. That's your homework. See, I'm already working on this homework thing. Ready, go. Don't become content with just digital connections. Third John verses 13 and 14 say, I have many things to say to you, but... I long to see you face to face. Mm. God made us sensory beings. 
And uh, the sense of touch, the sense of presence and being with someone is very different yeah. than a digital connection. Yeah. So have a longing for and a prayer for a return yeah. to in-person relationships. Ooh. It's coming. Yeah, it is. That, that's good. That's good. Anybody else got a, a word, a Bible verse, uh, David? Yeah, I was in, in the scriptures a couple of days ago in the book of Jeremiah and God is delivering some really harsh words to his people through Jeremiah. And Jeremiah is getting to this point where he feels overwhelmed. And we get a peek at a prayer of Jeremiah in a time of division for, and, and, and hurt for his nation. And he says this, I hurt with the hurt of my people. I mourn and am overcome with grief. There's no med- is there no medicine in Gilead? Is there no phys- uh, physician there? Why is there no healing for the wounds of my people? If I, my head were a pool of water and my eyes were a fountain of tears, I would weep all day and night for my people. And he goes on to talk about this and it's in relation to God calling out the sin of his people. And I think when we look around, we see so much that we would want to correct or change about how people are acting, especially the church. But Jeremiah calls them my people. Where was that? Jeremiah chapter eight at the end, starting at verse 21. And he says, the hurt of my people. Mm. So when you look at this, what you might call the sin of people in our nation, do you call them your people? Mm. This isn't those people over there. This is Mm. your church. Mm. This is my church. The people that I want to condemn are my people. Mm. How about that? Wow. Mm. And so you, maybe a a practical application is to start my peopling people. Mm. that people you want to push to a distance and separate yourself from to start saying, no, they are my people Mm. that have done this. I don't want them to be my people, David. They are (laughs) my people. That whole gracism thing (laughs) has been tested. Has it not? I know it's been tested in this in this last year, like nobody's business. So thank you for that as well. Um, I see uh, Pastor Steve and then I'll move over to uh, Pastor Mitch. You're going to close us out. OK, uh, so Pastor Steve, go. Pastor Halliker, you said a few minutes ago about uh, Jeremiah. I have a scripture in Jeremiah, too, and blessing my heart as I see the church and our world calling for answers and seeking answers in a time like this. Here's a promise of the Lord in Jeremiah 33, mm-hmm. verse three. Call on me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Mm. God has the answer. Mm. And the church, the big C church and the small C church and Christians in general need to call on the Lord for wisdom right now. Yeah. If ever we need wisdom from God, we need it now. Amen. We live in some confusing yeah. times. Yeah, amen to that. Thank you, Pastor Steve. Pastor Mitz, would you do us a favor and give us a final word and close us out in prayer today? Yes, yes. First Peter 4, 8, above all, love each other deeply for love covers a multitude of sins. Boom. Let's pray. God and Father, we are so grateful for the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace that you give us. Now, Lord, would you help us to endeavor to keep it? For there is one Lord, one faith, one God and Father of all who is over all in all and through all. And Father, may we do our best to be imitators of Christ. And Father, may we do our best to, as we have opportunity, to do good to all people, especially those of the household of faith. And dear God, would you forgive us? Because we're us. And would you help us be more like you? 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen.